0: Good day, and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson, and we have a special guest co-host on here today. Welcome, Shane Kleinert. How are you doing today?
1: Doing good, Jarian. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Happy to be here. Doing well, uh, as well as I can be in quarantine. So my wife hasn't uh, murdered me yet, and we've been getting along good. So I think I'm good in that front. Good. Yeah,
0: same here. You know, usually I'm the only one here at the house working during the day, and Usually everyone's at school or work, and for the past, since March 15th, everyone's been here in the house with me. So it's definitely been an adjustment, but uh, everyone's still alive and doing well, so that's the best I can ask for.
1: Uh, that's awesome.
0: So Shane, why don't you go ahead and talk about our, our guest today?
1: Sure thing. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to, uh, to be co-hosting with you today and have uh, Sam Benia, uh, CTO of Autome, on with us today. Uh, so Automate, for those of you who don't know, uh, specialize in automation solutions for load testing, performance monitoring, regression testing, and business automation that are so intelligent and uh, flexible that you can use them out of the box uh, to optimize performance for all your business applications. So really excited. Uh, that's that's a lot of fancy stuff for uh, really cool technology. So I, I think, uh, Jarin, if it's, if it's good with you, uh, we can kind of have Sam go in and give us kind of a... An overview of uh, the company history, uh, when it was founded, and uh, what what he was looking to solve when he when he set things out.
0: Yeah, sure thing. So so welcome, Sam, and let's go ahead and tell us about uh, your company issue, ish, uh, history and you know any problems that you solve and, and so forth. Well, uh, hi hi
2: everyone. Thank you for for having me. It's uh, good to be here yeah like uh, shane said we uh, we specialize in in automation software business automation we started the company back in 2000 so it's almost uh, actually this month is 20 years ago uh, we started as a consulting company we uh, w- a bunch of us uh, that were consultants with the small companies or or with the big five back then Got together and we we wanted to create a business for consulting testing uh, applications especially back then oracle and sap and and then that was right when when the market crashed in in 2000 and uh, two years uh, in the business we decided to import uh, testing testing and monitoring software from europe and and sell it here in the united states and with that we started uh, working closely with with our biggest customers like UCLA and Los Angeles MTA and see what they really needed and and how some of those products that we were using were not really were, were either covering too much or doing too much or or not enough and were pretty complicated we we're experiencing a lot of issues with them and we said we decided to 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 think out of bo- off the box and and we decided that because we did not have any funding, we had actually the, the products were self-funded from what we were doing with the with the sales that we had. We really based on our experience and talking to our customers, de- decided to come up with something that is new, that's in, reinvented the way of doing testing back then. Uh, it was very challenging in the beginning and, and the idea was, to simplify it instead of looking at the applications from the back end, looking under the hood and 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 seeing how the traffic goes between the client and the server and, and the database uh, database server and, and so on, and, and measuring the round trips and response time and on all these things, is to the idea was to focus on how a user interacts with the application and really uh, replicate literally what, what the user does and uh, and understanding our whole technologies understanding what happens in the front end and how the user interacts with the, the with the with the application with the ui so that's that's how we started and it it took us a few years to perfect that technology and uh, and then get it better i mean we're still we're still uh, working on on enhancing it every day but uh, but we are confident now that it is it is pretty pretty useful and, and it works pretty well
0: so uh my myself and shane you know i have known you for a, a few years now and some of our listeners of frontline chatter also uh, may know you guys um as energy global um before you became Automize. so why the branding change to automize from energy global
2: well so it, it is actually it's a very good question because the the energy global was doing business uh, for the the company that we started as a consulting company back in 2000 which was a new resource group consulting inc so it was a consulting company based on consulting and because that was the mouthful the name we started doing business as energy global and then over the years so we started with the uh, with the performance testing solution afterwards we added to it application monitoring then uh, functional testing and the last one rpa we'll talk about it a little bit uh, more in details so when when we we started uh, having more uh, name recognition and and having customers all over the world we realized a lot of times our customers were a little bit confused when they see energy global they think it's it's an energy company or they not? It's not really very clear what what uh, we are about, and and that comes from the fact that we're not very clear with ourselves because we were a consulting company, and then we we became a software company, and then we then we focused on automation software, and that's that's what we do. That's what we want to be known as, and that's where the, that's why the name automate comes from automation, artificial intelligence that's that's the core of our business and the artificial intelligence that's going to be where we're going with the products
0: i like i like the change too because i think automate does fit a lot better and what you guys are doing now uh nothing against the energy global name i just like the new new name and the new branding It, it seems a lot smoother absolutely yeah
1: Yeah, I I I totally agree with that, Jarion. I mean, I, it's funny cuz I remember working uh back in the day and w- when you and I were looking at some different uh testing solutions and and talking to Sam. I remember our, our first initial uh kind of go go ahead with the product was under NRG Global and then uh when he rebranded to Automate, I didn't realize that at the time I'm like, "Oh, look, there's another competitor out there, Automate. Wait a second, that's Sam." <laughs> so it was kind of funny when I saw it uh first out there. So I guess it's it's interesting cuz when you when you when you Branded as Automate, and we talked about artificial intelligence. Uh, then you talk on your website and, and about bots and robotic uh, process automation. Uh, so if you don't mind, uh, and obviously with your experience and background there uh, uh, for the audience, uh, if you could just give kind of a, an overview of you know, what is robotic uh, process automation, what is your robotic automation platform, and uh, you know, what is RPA, and, and what use cases does it solve outside of what you did with, with load testing? Well,
2: yeah. So the and and load testing is also uh, we like to call it robotic performance testing. So the, the robotic term means that that it is uh, replicating what the end users do when they're interacting with the application. That that's basically what it is. Our tagline actually that that we use a lot is because people are not robots. So what we're trying to do is to take repetitive tasks, whether it is for uh performance testing or or regression testing and we see a lot of businesses actually big corporations that have uh, people doing manual testing or even automated testing but the 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 problem is it's it's a little bit hideous a lot of repetitive work a lot of things that they have to to do again and again and again Uh, that's why we what we want to do is to to simplify the workload and and to make sure that anything that is repetitive can be handled by a robot it doesn't mean that the robot is dumb and and can only do repetitive things it can really do smart smart actions as well and and interact with the end user and ask for answers if it's not sure what it needs to do but uh, the but the core of the business is to make sure that anything that's that's repetitive give it to the machine to do let your employee employees focus on customer service on understanding things that the robot cannot do which there's a lot of things that that robot cannot do so you asked about the the robotic uh, automation platform the it's the, the that we have what we're trying to do is to instead to give our customers one one clear solution and instead of having solution for RPA a solution for testing performance testing, another one for regression testing and another uh, RPM is to give one platform one way of creating the automation uh, One script builder. That's that's what we call it. It's a scenario builder and Whether and, and you can use it for all these functions. Uh, you can simulate multiple users to do performance testing and also simulate multiple test cases, just injecting different data and data elements, and it will create uh, test cases for you automatically and run the tests and tell you if they pass or failed. And when the application moves to production, you can continuously, we can call it continuous monitoring or continuous testing, looking at the application, uh, replicating the whole process, not just, well, is it available or not, it's actually yes i can log into the application and do what i'm supposed to do and if something goes wrong get the right alerts uh, directly to the 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 people that are supposed to to get that alert so that it can that it can fix it and lastly the robotic process automation that would be for the business side you can use the same automation and and help the business the business users with their repetitive tasks whether in attended mode with the robots helping them while they're working on, on the daily tasks or an attended mode where it's, it's running the background on a server and, and doing uh, repetitive tasks. So that's, uh, that's what, what our value proposition.
0: So you, you kind of talked about you know from your uh, application load testing as your initial use case and then you add the additional with the RPA and the continuous functional testing and so forth. Um, what made Automate take on these additional use cases was the customer demand? You just saw the need to expand further, you know, changes on the market, you know, let's talk about that. Well, it, it's, it's all the
2: above, meaning that it was a natural uh, additions because, because the core was robotic even for the, for the functional testing. And actually, our customers started doing it on their own. They started creating automation, RPA. Actually, the first one was back in 2007, I think. It's a bank here in Northern California, where the our customer that acquired the software for performance testing contacted us, saying, "Well, I'm using this now for loan processing because I try to use different tools and and going through the database and and creating loans and stuff, and it, they have so many rules in." for loan processing that it was almost impossible. They had to recreate the whole thing, what the, all the checks that uh, the the front end does the, for the validation and the calculations, all that stuff it has to be recreated to automate the process. And with our automation tool back then, they just had to create the script to, to put the loan information in the front end and he was processing 5,000 loans in in less than an hour, as opposed to doing it in two or three days. And back then they were sharing that with us. And but it it was still kind of you they have to trigger the 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 robot manually and do all that stuff. So it's not all prepackaged. That's what uh, the RPA solution does. It packages it and it uh, it schedules it and and does all that stuff and doing the reporting and all the things that that need to be done with, with RPA. But the the core Solution is included out of the box with with all our uh, with all our uh, our tools. It's not uh, There's nothing really specific about it it, except the the packaging the reporting and and some Some additional uh, Functionalities that are specific to RPA. Otherwise the, the core business can be done that way.
1: Yeah that, that makes total sense and and what I I'm curious Sam from from your thought I I think it's uh I think it's interesting because uh I know in in some of our recent conversations in the past uh you know you guys are almost tw- you know 20 years uh in, in the field I think you you kind of joked you guys were, were doing RPA before it was even a market right be, be, before Correct. it became yes. this this massive wave of robotic process automation that kind of nas- Create that national transition, and do you rebrand in the company? But but the core of your product has been doing that for a long time. But now that RPA is a is a really common term that you're hearing. I mean, are you seeing? Uh, and obviously, you know, Microsoft is jumping on that as well. They had Flow, and now they're rebranding that as well. They already rebranded that. So are you seeing um, uh, when your customers come to you for for you know RPA use cases? Are you seeing that as uh, to to augment staff to replace staff? Uh, and how does that differ as well from like kind of what you'd hear as business process automation. You know, I'm just kind of curious what your well, thoughts are there.
2: It, it, I, I think a lot of our customers here, not, not to augment or, or replace staff. It's actually make staff more efficient. It, it is. And and make the companies more competitive. We have a lot of customers that have That's their great point. employees. Yeah. They, they spend a lot of time doing repetitive things and, uh, and, and we have a gazillion examples and from all, types of of use cases, whether it's a marketing department that that actually creating demo environments in healthcare that are pretty complicated, that used to have six people working on demo environments, customized demo environment for two weeks, that that now a robot can do it in three, three, four hours. Uh, And it's more accurate also, because once the it is it is well-defined the process is is well-defined there's no human errors it's it's really it, it is a robot that's doing it and and not only the automation is good it's also forces our customers to Uh, think about their process about the business process and and that's I that's what we see the challenge it comes from it's it's not the automation per se and it's not the tool or usage of the tool it's really understanding what you want to automate and and we thinking that sometimes actually they they make the process more efficient as opposed to having going through multiple steps that are that are useless. It's just they were there because that's the way it was done over the years. When you start rethinking about rethinking the process, it becomes more lean and 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 useful. than than before so and and we have customers that use it for in IT to automate IT tasks and other they use it in the insurance industry or insurance claims or or, I mean you name it there's a lot of different use cases and every single one is you go well yeah we can imagine why this is how it's going to help and how it's useful for for customers and make things a lot a lot more efficient
1: Yeah, and no, I, I totally agree, and, and it's interesting, Sam, too, because when you think about that, and 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 it's similar to you know, you know, from a company standpoint, we do you know we do stuff on on some of the business process automation side of things, and and um, when you're talking about and getting into that, um, uh, you know, getting into business process planning and, and automation, and when you're talking about the RPA, the, the value add, just like you had mentioned, and, and what we've seen is while the tool has a ton of value, the, the you know, getting the right folks in the room across the different departments and getting everyone together and refactoring your process, documenting it again. And, and like you said, a lot of people, it's, it's, uh, they do what they're comfortable with, right? They do the same process over and over again and they're not thinking outside of the box. This causes you to kind of reinvent yourself. And then now you have a tool to do it. So I think that's really, really neat. Uh, and, and kind of, kind of cool to see it coming to a, a forefront even though it's something that probably companies have been doing over the years but now there's a, a, a tool to, to to handle that so very we cool we
2: think that that really rpa and and the test automation and even the monitoring to a certain extent th- there are a lot of similarities in there they are we they're all dealing with business processes and when you look at at a business process as a whole you're not looking at, at isolated siloed application because for instance we have a lot of use cases where you log into application through Citrix or VMware. Then you go to then you launch the, the an application and then maybe in healthcare from from your EMR system you're gonna connect to a third party system that's that's totally different that's written in different language and 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 uh, or maybe just looking at X-rays or things like that imaging it it, it is very hard to uh, to automate or test that process if you're not using the robotic approach. And that's why it's just totally natural for us to, to, to be in these four areas and offer these four solutions, which also offer a big advantage to our customers because if you're using the same automation platform you save on the training cost you you save on uh, you have all your your departments all your users that are using the same tool talking the same language uh, and and understanding following the process through a life cycle from from the the beginning every time you update it every time you run a patch you have the automation the, the, the test automation and then you move it to production and it is continuously being tested and monitored and then the rpa is running as well and it does we we have a lot of uh, I have a lot of examples where with traditional tools it's really hard to find all the issues and our tools are not i'm not saying that they're perfect but they do find a lot of issues and uh, when especially when you do things from the front end you don't have a way of saying well if if I get this error code, I'm just going to ignore it and, and go away because the robot sees what the user sees and it acts on that. If it doesn't see it, it's it's not going to do it. Unless you say, well, if you don't see it, then continue to do something else. But it has to be visually that that's what's in there. And it doesn't mean that it only works on, on, uh, on, on web applications or, or a graphical user interface. I mean, it does work very well on all the applications as well, like AS400 and character mode applications, it, it works the same way.
0: So uh, speaking of um, the, the tool set in, your, in the automized solution, let's kind of talk about the architecture of the, the product stack. Um, they all share the common architectural components, if I'm not mistaken. So can you kind of tell us what that looks like? Yes. So the
2: the architecture there are for all our products there are three components, and there is the the scenario builder, that's that's the automation studio, if you will, and it's going to be rebranded soon. Also, it's going to become Automate Studio, but what does that does is to allow to allow our customers and our users to create automation scripts. And they are it is the same across the four the four solutions. No matter what it is that you you're gonna do for testing or RPA or monitoring, you will use the same scenario builder to create the the, the scripts. Then you have the platform. The platform is is the are the robots that we we have that the same script can run on all these different robots, even though they are they are they have differences on a layer of code, the top layer that allows it to communicate with with uh, different types. of, so if you have, it's like having different type of employees, the robot, the, the R workers are going to do RPA that specialized in RPA. Then you have the, the, uh, the robot monitors that the monitor actually is like, the name says it. And then you have the, the the robot testers and and the loaders that those are the ones that do the the functional the performance testing so that's the the platform and then then you have the managers the managers are we we call them managers or controllers because we have older versions and new versions of the software everything's gonna be called managers now and we, we will consolidate them as well they are the ones that would schedule the the test the test plan or the automation and uh, and and trigger it and and show the reporting and one of the things actually with the robotic whether you do the any of the four solutions of the four testings or or the automations if anything goes wrong with the automation a screenshot is taken of what was on the desktop At the time of the error the failure and it shows you so that you know you can take that to the to the software vendors or to developers or to whoever needs to look at that issue and you have an image whether with with the the failure screen with the failure message or maybe just the application very slow and it tells you that it was waiting to to launch this screen or to go to this form or to save this transaction it was waiting for 30 seconds or whatever it is and it, this is what is still seen on the screen sometimes you just see that uh, uh, it's still loading trying to load the application still or the next screen so that it's it's pretty simple pretty straightforward architecture the the robots are constantly checking with the manager asking what they're supposed to do. Uh, and the, the the requests go one way, which means that you can have robots in your data center and you can put the controller on the clouds or, or on uh, uh, DMZ or something so that's, that you don't have to open any specific ports or anything. ports or anything. It's just uh, the robots that go outside to check what they're supposed to do and to report the results as well that's going a little bit too too the technical in the details I guess no,
1: no that's no that's definitely good I mean this is a kind of a technical podcast right And that they kind of the listeners love love kind of getting into the weeds you know and it's kind of a diverse well, diverse following so I perfect. think and, so, and you kind of you didn't really go super deep so if uh but go ahead sorry what were you saying Well, what I was gonna
2: say, it's it's also, sometimes we have questions, a lot of times, actually not sometimes, well, if it's a robotic, some, uh, there is a lot of people that think, well, if it's robotic, well, is it sensitive to the resolution, to the color depth? And if anything changed, I have to change my automations and all that stuff. That is, uh, there's a little bit of truth to that because over the years, we actually uh, made a lot of things easier. Because we've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, Some of them is that we kind of control the environment where you create your, your automation script, we give you tools to play them back exactly in the same environment and that's managed by our, by our robots themselves. Uh, they create the remote desktop themselves in the background based on what, uh, what was used during the recording for, for the, the script. And, and we also actually, uh, in, in theory, the, the screen resolution should not be a problem. It is a problem sometimes actually with with web applications responsive web web applications where if the screen is smaller, then the application looks differently the The fields change and and the positioning change and all that stuff but that's even to to a user they they might be confused if you tell them look for this field or or whatever but but that said. The robot can look for images all over the desktop. So if you, for instance, if you take an image of a label of a field, it doesn't matter where it is. It, even if it moved, it will still find it. The only difference that becomes an issue, if that field actually used to be at certain times on the right of the label and you try to find this label and then move to the right to, to start typing and maybe with the resolution changing, that field looks at, at the bottom because the resolution is different, that might cause an issue unless you can you can script for that and to look for it in the right. You don't find that look at the bottom, which which can be done. So it's just a matter of, uh, like we were saying before, understanding all these cases and differences are going to happen, and 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 make sure that the robot knows about that. That that's basically it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I actually got a, a couple of things too, because I actually had the, the privilege with a with a, a large customer we work with to actually work work with uh with you and and uh one of your uh one of your technical resources uh for some load testing for a uh, for a call center uh some virtual desktop load testing. So I got to kind of dig into the product and 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 actually uh get a feel for some of the technology and, and whatnot. So you had mentioned you're you're kind of talking about the robotic aspect of things, but um for the folks that are that are uh, thinking about, you know, load testing and can you talk just for a second on, um, on kind of the launcher architecture and, and what that looks like, right? Cause I know for, for me, uh, and it kind of plays into some of the stuff you're talking about with resolution, right? Is we ran into some of those things and what we did on the Citrix side is we were able to basically create Know, it forced the Citrix session to launch at a specific resolution, and we did some some tweaks there. And they guaranteed that we have a controlled test every time. So I'm curious if you just talk about the the launcher architecture for a second, because that was pretty neat how that was all managed uh, with the controller and manager uh, to make things uh, smooth for the testing.
2: Very very good question. Yes, actually that that is a good point. So what what we tried to achieve throughout the year the years with our solutions is to make it as easy as simple as possible to to our uh, users so for the performance testing If you're gonna simulate certain number of concurrent users, we use what we call them injectors. So you have the controller that's for you, you have the scenario builder, you create your your scripts, then you send them to the controller. The controller in turn is gonna dispatch them to all the injectors. And what the injectors are, are Windows server machines. You can actually, you can, and we have client, the customers that did this in the past, where they used PCs the problem is that if you use pcs whether virtual or or physical you're going to simulate only one user per pc that's a limitation of windows uh, operating system for the the desktop it's done by design but it works very well on the servers because you can simulate multiple concurrent users using the remote desktops and that's the remote desktop will, will emulate each one will emulate end user desktop that's that's how that's how we do it which means that each injector can simulate anywhere between 25 users to 1,000 users. Because depending on the resolu- on the, the, the resources that the, the injector has, it's mainly CPU and, and memory. Those are the, the main ones. So, and the application under tests, there are some applications that are going to use a lot of memory, uh, depending on how it was written, because each user is going to load client of the application and 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 used it that way so to answer your your question shane yes when when you you try to run when you're running your test all that stuff connecting the users making sure that they stay connected uh if you need to change the passwords getting the scripts of those users deciding which which uh, user, those robots, which one is gonna do what because they don't have to all start at the same time. They don't have to all be running the same scripts uh, because at the end of the day, we wanna replicate the day in life of your the your uh, enterprise. And that, that's, all that stuff is managed automatically by the injector and the controller. So you just uh, at a push of a button saying, run the slow tests for, uh, like I said, 50 users or 10,000 users or more, then then all that stuff is dispatched to to the right injectors and and, uh, and making sure that everything is wor- working as it should and reporting any issues. And 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 by the way, also for every failure, for in every iterations we get screenshots that we correlate so that you can see where right away where most of your failures are coming from, and under what circumstances they happen.
1: Yeah, and that, and that the, the screenshot on failure was was super helpful when we were doing the testing because, as you can imagine, when you're doing the load testing, things are operating differently than the normal, right? Uh, you know, things are moving slower, the systems moving slower, apps are opening slower. So even though you take all those screenshots and you build out that that workflow, things are you have to adjust timeouts and things like that. So being able to see those screenshots just saves an immense amount of time. So that was. That was really cool there. Um, So I guess I'm kind of curious, uh, and I guess I have some firsthand experience, but I'm curious from your perspective, and obviously you've worked with a lot more customers with the product, uh, you know, what is, what what sort of technical aptitude would you think is is required for folks to learn uh, the app loader solution, app swaps? because they're all, like you said, they're all kind of common with the scenario builder and how you build those workflows uh, to get it up and, and running in an environment. Maybe you could talk through a recent project. Uh, you know, at a high level, kind of sum it up as to you know how long that that setup took. I think that'd be helpful well, for the folks.
2: It it is. It, it, it's, it will depend on the complexity of what automation you're trying to 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 do. Uh, now, from the get go, we decided when we we start with 15 years ago with the first version. When we decided to create a new product, we wanted to be it's not really designed for developers. It is for testers, for end users. So when you look at our scenario builder, there's no programming language. There is no you don't have to have any developers to to create anything you have recorded a record what you're doing, but it also translates that into actions that everybody understands, like just to find this icon double click on it then then wait for for the page to load and then find this image and then move next to it and and enter text and this is actually doing it this is what we call scripting manually doing it step by step but usually you would do the recording of the flow and then and then go back and add any business logic That's even though I uh, we say there's no programming language you can you can add any logic that you want you can add if conditions you can add loops you can skip all that stuff you can do a lot of a lot of things in there so the, the you are saying how long it takes it it's uh, First, just to give you an example, to the installation, you just put it on, on the system. It does not, it, it doesn't ask you to do anything. It creates the users for you. If they're not, if they don't exist, unless you provide your own test users, you just put them in a CSV file and, and you, can, you can get them. Of course, we have a lot of customers that are in the healthcare industry that uh, HIPAA is very important. So we have the highest uh, encryptions possible out there for the username, password, even though they're test users. We have a lot of things that are uh, the, that are already out of the box. Uh, so you can install the products really in five minutes. You can install all the components in, in five minutes. Now we have some videos to show you how to create your first scripts. Uh, it is the, it's in our experience, especially in testing and not RPA because RPA people expect and it's a different audience in testing the ones that come with with experience with the load runner with any protocol based tools they expect uh, object recognition so they're not really very used to robotic approach to it so they, they they expect a little bit to be to work differently and but they get it fairly quickly afterwards so that's when when we and we have a customer support that that help our customers uh, almost uh, all the time to make sure that they understand. And that's that's the small learning curve if they are used to other product. Just to have this approach of I have to see it first. The robot has to see it. If it's not if it's not on a desktop, it doesn't know that it's there. And like I said, it's the same way as an end user. So you have to really look at it as uh, look at the robot like like explaining that to to a person or something but but that said we can do api calls we can run system commands we can do everything that uh, that a user can can do as well so you're talking about use cases as well we have different industries I, I mentioned a little bit about healthcare before we have a lot of customers in healthcare that, and specifically uh, connecting through Citrix and go through the whole uh, flow in healthcare, adding new patients or whatever it is. And that, that works very well whether with Epic or Meditech or, or any of, of other EMR uh, out there, Cerner. Uh, we have customers in the retail industry that use us also for other to manage, either manage inventory, testing inventory or automating it. There are products like uh, that specialize in, in the, uh, in retail like uh, I think TXT that was acquired by Aptos. We have customers that come to us specifically for those products because it, it's kind of uh, working with Excel, but no other tool can do it. It has to be done visually because they have a lot of macros involved in their smart macros and stuff like that, that the automating that becomes very, very com- complicated, unless it's done the robotic way. Uh, then we have banks and insurances and the uh, uh, a, a, a lot of uh, uh, different industries. It, it's basically across the board industry-wise, even, even software companies that also come to us and it makes it a lot simpler to do testing uh, and, and automation from the front end to, to really know what, what's going on and, and getting the right results to to the developers to fix any issues that they need, they need to fix. You're talking about image screenshot, we find it, the, the failure screenshot, it's extremely powerful, especially when when you go into to the developers and, and seeing instead of just saying, well, when I do this, I, I see this error message, you have to read it to the person I'm talking more. Uh, whether in testing or or monitoring, the monitoring as well shows you this is this was was on on the desktop when when the failure occurred. So it it really uh, it, it kind of cuts that back and forth. And we did we did some projects where the, it was there were issues where the the software vendor said yes I tested it it works and it's supposed to handle five thousand users, when our robot started testing at three four hundred users started seeing issues. And when our customer went back to software and told them, no, that's impossible, we tested it and it works. And when it started showing them screenshots, they go, okay, well, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no debate. These are the screenshots of the failures and this is when, when they happen. And actually that was very instrumental in the success of that project, the screenshots that is.
0: Yeah, the screenshots thing is, is very good because you always wanna be able to have some data to, to show what's going on, to show what failed, why it failed, where it failed. And that's always good to have that because instead of you say, Hey, it doesn't work. Well then, you know, they're just taking your word for it and they're telling you, yes, it does work. And they have that data to help them kind of say, okay, look, we we found a problem. Here's the problem. They can fix it. They can come back to the customer. The customer can retest and move on. So the the screenshots is very handy. Absolutely.
2: Yes. And, 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 uh, Honestly, when things are running in the back end and you just see numbers and see response time, you have no idea what's happening. It does mean that it does work. I'm just saying sometimes there are failures where, and they're not even being reported because it was developed a certain way. And I'm talking about this because we have one of our customers that they went with the application live using different tools. And once they were live, they, we were monitoring, continuously monitoring that, that application, which is a retail application. And it happens that at certain times of the day, they, the, the transactions are not being validated. And this is a retail transaction, credit card transactions. And then it was just, even if you put the wrong credit card, it will still give you the, the, the merchandise. And it still sends you the, 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 the the purchase and that if we were not doing it a robotic way we would have never found that, that issue because uh, or other issues where sometimes it just after updates and and people talk about this in in books but actually it does happen in real life where buttons are not there anymore or they they disappear sometimes at certain conditions it does, they don't disappear maybe just the color is not it's the same color as the background or things like that where then if a user cannot see the button, they cannot click on it. And that's the same thing with the robot. If you cannot see it, you cannot click on it, you cannot he cannot move forward, and you'll have a, fa- a failure screenshot that's saying, I cannot find this button. And you see on the screenshot, it doesn't exist. It's not there. And that's very helpful too.
0: So going back
2: yeah,
0: to I-
1: uh, the, go ahead, Shane. Oh, so yeah, I was just gonna say, just when you're bringing up uh, that, that kind of use case and where it was helpful, I just thinking back to, to when we were doing our testing with with the Jabber client, and uh, they use, like, kind of a certificate authentication. And, and one of the things that was happening is because we were doing multiple iterations uh, of the testing uh, with the profiles. That some cases, uh, you know, we actually ran into an issue where the, the profile server, or the file server basically, uh, the, and this is what it's supposed to do is kind of show those points where you need to increase, um, you know, memory, CPU, or, or do infrastructure adjustments as you're generating load. We had to, you know, increase the resources on the, on the file server. Uh, so what we did was we had to you know create some new profiles and stuff and we didn't realize at the time but um you know what happened was is a bunch of them started failing and they started failing because the agents as they were coming online we were automating the agents um you know basically uh w- what happened was is they didn't have their certificate because they were generating new profiles because we wiped them they were doing testing of new profile creation so so essentially the, there was no log on their side they were wondering what was going on but we saw right away in the screenshot as soon as i showed the guy the screenshot and he saw that it couldn't connect he knew right away it was a cert issue and reset him so that that screenshot was just super valuable It saved him a lot of time versus trying to connect to a bunch of these non persistent desktops and try to grab you know a, a thousand log files you know so that was that was definitely cool uh, for sure yeah. So, uh,
0: so you know, we talked about how you have different uh, tools in the tool set here. And so from your perspective, what's the difference between load testing, availability testing, and RPA? And then we talked about the common infrastructure. You know, what's the effort put into building scenarios that can go across all those use cases?
2: Well, the, the the difference between the performance testing and the functional testing and application monitoring RPA is the the, the end users, the use case. So performance testing, you want to make sure, and, and we approach performance testing a different way. Actually, we we don't. Our tools are not used as much for uh, to see the breaking point. It's mainly making sure that. Uh, when you move to production, your infrastructure, your environment is going to handle the the expected load. So uh, we work with the healthcare organizations again a lot, or or with with any type of business. You can say, I'm going live. I have 1,200 users. Maybe in next two years, I'm going to go up to 1,500, or I want to make sure that I can it can handle up to 15 or 2,000 users. In in if if there's a lot of uh, A lot of need that's you decide up to what number of users you want you want to test and we kind of run the the performance test making sure that it can handle that number of users and and it's not it's not just making sure that the application is up It's making sure that the response time is acceptable and the flow is the correct one it's not uh, it's not smoke testing it's a really functional load testing at, at, at the same time that's for for the the load test testing the performance testing the the use case for for the for the, uh, for the uh, regression testing that would be QA department that runs those multiple test cases like well if you for retail for instance talking about retail again uh, you can say well i'm going to create uh, one automation the process of uh, of processing an order for instance Then you send that to to the manager, and then you can feed it the data elements of uh, automatically, first of all, it will it will check all the variables that the the automation script has. And then you can just tell it, well, now if I I put the order for less than $10 and I keep all the other data the same. Or I want to add a coupon for for this order. So you have you have different the test elements, test data elements in there. We call it data-driven testing and it will automatically create different test cases for you one for each line in your excel file or 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 directly that you put in the manager that would be like for instance uh invalid coupon am i seeing that this coupon has expired when i'm supposed to see it even though you don't, you don't have to script for it you just need to add a validation point at the time when we put the coupon number in there that it will, a pop-up window will show up saying that invalid coupon or coupon expired. And actually you can even decide that it, that specific error message is seen like coupon expired or coupon invalid. And, and then it doesn't have to continue the whole flow. It, right there automatically it's gonna say my test case ends here. And like I was saying, you don't have to create a different script for it. It's the same script You just tell it, this is your exit point for this, uh, for this test case and all that stuff is created automatically. And that's, that allows our customers to continuously test anything, anytime they touch anything, any, uh, whether they're using package solutions and, and they need to test them anytime they apply a patch or they're actually creating software themselves for in DevOps and they, any time they, they, they commit any changes in, in, the, in, the, in the source, source safe. creates those those uh, automation scripts and he make sure that they didn't didn't break anything else the same thing for for uh monitoring continuous testing monitoring in production and and then the, the rpa so we were talking about the the workload is that can, can you I, I don't think i answered all the, the whole question you, you was talking, to- yeah
0: Yeah, you answer most of it, but the the other part was just making sure that if I'm doing, say, load or performance testing versus availability versus RPA, and about building the scenarios, about making, you know, using those scenarios across the different use cases.
2: Yeah, so you can that that is actually very very good question. You can in theory you can use the same scenario throughout all those all those use cases. Now, for instance. Maybe if you if we stay with the order, that I was talking about order entry, so maybe you want to simulate multiple orders from different locations and stuff. That would be your performance testing, and you have a script to create one order, and then, of course, for load testing, you're going to have your parameters that has a list of orders that you want to create or different items and all that stuff, and you run that at the same time concurrently. Maybe even from different locations, uh, East Coast, West Coast, and whatever, wherever you expecting the load to come from. Then, when you the same script, you when the QA team is, is using it, you're just gonna feed it different data for test cases. So instead of kind of the same order, but just different items and stuff. Now you're dealing with the items under ten dollars, over twenty dollars, and 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 so on, and with the coupon, without coupon, all the the other things that are. Functionally, you take it to another level in, in the, the details of functional testing and so on. Then, now when you move actually to RPA, and I'll come back to, to monitoring, RPA, you might need to add to it, okay, well, this script creates an order, where is the data coming from? Maybe the data is coming from Excel that I'm going to download from somewhere else, or maybe it's coming from a PDF file or email that I'm reading. So, that portion you add it to your script to get data from, from, or from another system. We have customers that are reading data, let they say they have then the, uh, the e-commerce system that really does not talk or or they need to continuously go into one system, getting data from that one and put it in a different system. That's, that, that it can be that way as well. Now, and that's, those are the, the, the additions that you can add to your script. You don't have to, and the scripts can be modular too. So you can just add more either components or, or subscript to, to your main one to go collect data from, from somewhere else. Now, when it comes to continuous monitoring, it's, it's a little bit, it's, it's not really different. It's only to, to think about the business process. If we're gonna do continuous monitoring, for instance, with creating an order, the only, uh, most of our clients first, the uh, customers, first when they do con- continuous monitoring, they just do the query, querying the data, making sure the application is available and looking up certain records and stuff because that's the simplest use case and, and it works fine. Now, if you wanna create orders in the system, which is a useful test, making sure that's always working, you. It actually, in a live system, it will create the order. So it's either you have the robot create the order and, and delete it, or you, you assign it to a dummy account that will be purged at the end of the day. There are certain things that, and usually that comes in the second phase with our projects. The first phase, they're just querying, making sure and that gives them a lot of good data and, uh, and availability, making sure that everything is working. But then when they uh, want to push it to the next level, that's when they start creating transactions that they can remove at the end of the day or right away after it's created or things like that. So that's, but as far as creating the scripts, there's no, there's no differences really. And it can be the same one throughout all the uh, solutions going from one department to the other. And that's why we're saying the benefits and the benefits in, in the costs and, and in streamlining the whole automation process become very, very useful with this automation platform.
0: So let's uh, kind of talk about licensing here because I know that's uh, one question that probably gets asked a lot. So how is uh, automated license? You know, is it per user, concurrent sessions? Can you rent for a project? Um, some solutions, they limit you to location base. So is it portable across data centers? Um, give us some kind of info on how the product is licensed.
2: So the it is license by solution. So if you get for instance the performance testing, that's by number of concurrent users. And and usually our customers either get the final customer either get the license, a term license, a yearly license. Uh, of course they get discount if they, they buy two or three years in advance. Then we still do perpetual licenses uh, Because we have a lot of big organizations that still want to do it that way Usually we are moving more to term licenses The other solutions are all the same. The, it's by number of robots So it, it would be and, and of course as the number of robots whether it's for for testing or monitoring or or RPA As you add more and more robots uh, There are discounts that kick in now for our partners the especially consulting companies and uh, that, that partner with us or for the community as well if for, we we do by project base and and the lease can be for monthly uh, lease or to uh, we, we have flexibility depending on what the need is for for the project so that's that's another thing that we're trying to do is to make sure that. We don't force you to to purchase what you don't need. So you don't have if you have one specific project that you need for a month or two months, whatever it is, that's what we're going to give you. You know, you don't have to to purchase more than what you need. So that's usually that is reserved to partners and uh, uh, and community community uh, members to make so, it simple with the the final customers.
0: So what if I have multiple data centers or if you know, multiple locations and do I have to license each location separately? Is there a centralized license server that I can use if they're all connected? How does that
2: work? Yes, we do have, uh, we have licensed servers. We, the licenses usually by default, they come with the manager. So the manager manages the robots and the robots can be anywhere. It can be in different locations. Now, if we also have solutions where you can have a license server and have multiple managers. If you have uh, your corporations, you want to put different managers per department because you don't want them to share data or anything. You can have a license server, and the manager actually requests a license when it needs it, uh, the, and they can get token licenses as well, and, and so on.
0: Yeah. And say I'm uh, doing some testing for, say, Pure RDS or Horizon or you know, VMware horizon or Citrix workshops and desktops or Nutanix, uh, frame. Um, do I have to match those licensing for those products or only buy what no. I need?
2: No. no, it's just buy what you need. And, and also the fact that it is, uh, application neutral. First of all, you get our robots and it doesn't matter what you're testing, what are automation, what are you automating? It's, and it doesn't care about the number of automations as well. So it's, uh, it, it, it's you. You buy what you need, uh, and uh, and you use it, and you add more robots when you need more robots. That, that's basically it. It's pretty simple, simple concept, and simple uh, way of approaching it. I
0: think.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I, Sam, I got a question. Uh, it's it's interesting because um, it's something I was thinking about, uh, you know, the other day uh, because we're seeing more and more of these. Uh, kind of application monitoring or infrastructure companies come out with application probes. Right. And uh, you know, when, when you think about kind of the customer landscape over the, over the past, you know few years we we've, we've kind of merged into you know this hybrid uh, space right where we have a mashup of services of uh, local apps and saas apps and you know maybe we 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 have workloads across different clouds and things like that or or an isv's hosting my application and the way i see it and what i'm seeing from from customers is you know the these customers are are requiring more workload specific proactive availability testing versus probe right and, and a probe being for those that, that out there maybe aren't familiar with that technology like Citrix has app probing where essentially it will go and it will log into that delivery group with or that or that published application and they just assume that it launches it will say hey i launched it it's successful but you know that's that is one aspect right that is important but what about if the actual application works because those applications have multiple tiers right it might have a web tier or a database tier i need to go in and validate that that workflow works and and so what are you seeing out there and and there's companies like I said Citrix, Control Up, Goliath, the E. G., they do and uh they do kind of that probing. What are you seeing from a customer perspective? Are you seeing more requests for that workload specific? Do you see value yes. in that? What's your thoughts?
2: Uh, absolutely we we see we seen that and and we think that we complement those those solutions that that you mentioned because they they i think they do a good job with with the back end and 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 uh, simulating things in the back end and giving other information about the, the network and so on but we it's and, and exactly that what you said and you said it very well thank you it's it is looking at the application making sure that not only it's available but it is it is usable and that's your your users or your customers will be able to connect to the application and do their work. So, and sometimes, and it, that did happen to a lot of our customers, it's where, uh, like I said, after patch, they apply a patch, the application is not working the right way. And Even though you can connect to it and you go maybe the first, second, third screen, and then at the fourth screen, there's an issue. And uh, Or it's just slow, and sometimes it's just slow during a certain time of the day. Be, uh, under uh, the heavy peak or whatever it is that's happening, so maybe just uh, batch jobs running in the background or something. And, and it is a lot of uh, customers do come to us and say, yes, we have all these monitoring solutions and they're good, but it's not enough. We, because sometimes i have issue with this uh, with uh, with my application i don't know about it because yeah they tell me the application is there but my customer my users are complaining and now the help desk is telling me that it doesn't work and we have to go and 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 look into that and that's that is what we we are addressing the the need that we're addressing now now you talked about something else that's extremely important too because now the applications are more interconnected and you have this sas applications that talk to custom that to uh, in-house applications and you have all these things working together it becomes really complicated to even uh, the best solutions out there if the monitor one or two or, or whatever applications they monitor, you always have something new and something different and it, it becomes very challenging. Or even just you cannot install things on, on the SaaS solution. You, it, it's very easy with our robots because well, you don't need to install anything. You don't need to install anything on Citrix server. You don't need to install anything on a database server or any anything at all. It's all, if you can access that application the uh, you can do that process manually the robot can do it and you can monitor it it can do it again and again the same way without any errors without any any uh, mishaps so we see that this is this trend is, ju- is just going to continue and and as uh, the, the the applications are becoming more and more important And now. With what's happening now, people are working from home. There's a lot of things that that are uh, that that push for solutions like ours to make sure that not only is there the applications that are available, that they are actually responding as they should.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, that's those are all great points, uh, Sam. And, and some of the things those things you just mentioned at-home workers, right? And it made me think about, you know, companies that have users at home or maybe are globally distributed, right? Uh, you know, you, you also want the ability to be able to test the application from their perspective. And that, that's what's key, I think, about what, when you talk about, you know, really emulating what an end user is doing is also their perception and, and the response time of what they're experiencing. So by you putting those launchers, if I'm not mistaken, right, you can put those launchers in different resource locations, whether, if, you know, if it's in a, in a public cloud and you split them across different resource locations or other data centers to put them closer to where those users may be to, to get a feel for what that experience is like, right? Absolutely. Yes, exactly what you said.
2: Yeah, you can put them anywhere. And, and it is a sentiment of the end user that, what, that we are monitoring. So it, it is from the end user perspective. It, it is if for instance, certain things, well, most of the page is loading load within 0.1 second or very fast, and then those buttons that are that the user needs are the ones that are really slow, that are the last ones to show up. Well, that's what we're monitoring because we're monitoring what's important for the user and that's what we're reporting on. So it's not the average of everything, how long it takes for, for the whole page to show up. It's what matters to the user that, that we're monitoring, yep.
1: Yep, or, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I just, yeah for for me i just thought it was it was neat when you really think about like the the workflow uh monitoring more than just applicate you know more it's it's so much more than just you know is the application up or down you know i think about um you know i think about uh, like a business a business service right it consists yes. of a process right in that application and i might have the whole app and and me that that it's great that the application works but the business generates a lot of revenue off one function of that app let's just say, you know, obviously it could, there's a lot of functions, but let's just say there's one function that's super key to loan generation or whatever, or loan origination, right. From a banking perspective. I mean, if that one piece is down, you know, that, that, that can be detrimental to the business where the app is reporting is up. So anyways, that's just, not to tarp, I just thought that was really neat to uh, to see that uh, the, that functionality, which has always inherently been there, but I just kind of been thinking about it as I've been talking to customers and stuff. So really cool. Um, I did want to, uh to, yeah, I did want to transition to um, uh, something that I think it would be helpful for, for the listeners, right? Uh, you know, the, the podcast is really heavily focused around end user computing, right? And uh, that's pretty much where the majority of the listener base is. And a lot of them are familiar with with login VSI. And they kind of position themselves over the years as kind of de facto standard for for load testing EDC solutions. There's pro- not a vendor white paper that doesn't have a login VSI test uh, attached to it, right? A reference architecture. Um, but I'd also venture to say, and and that it kind of like I said, been the de facto uh, standard. But I venture to say that you know Automate is probably one of the the, the veteran uh, testing availability companies that's been around that probably most EUC folks uh, haven't heard of, right? And I know you've been working to try to get uh, you know get the word out in the EUC space. But you know, how do you feel uh, from your perspective and from the customers and and, whatnot and what you're seeing? You know, how is Automate different than than Log VSI? What advantages do you feel Automate has? when comparing uh, other uh, you know solutions in this space how do you differentiate yourself well
2: uh, we uh, we think that we are more on on the, the business side and and process oriented meaning uh, with our solution uh, creating uh, automation for a custom process the whether talking about uh, before we're saying logging into Citrix and then going through uh, a workflow uh, whether in healthcare or, or or retail or whatever it is so it we can go through what's important to you in in the business you decide what you want to monitor or what you want to test and we think that we made it very simple simple enough to create that automation fairly quickly and make sure that it's not it's not just the the it's not just for engineers to make sure that okay when we install citrix it's going to handle up to ten thousand users like i was saying before it's more what is it that you need to be done? What is specifically for you? How many users, are you, concurrent users, you're expecting, and what are they going to be doing at the same time? And that's that's where become. I mean, we we run some performance tests where we had over a hundred different flows, that that simulating five six thousand users doing totally different things on the same, whether it's Salesforce application or or SAP whatever it is, and and really giving you the a good idea of the day in life what's going to happen and how the system will will behave during that uh, that load and, and and from the business standpoint you want to make sure that that's you have no surprises, and we have customers actually that found issues and and they could not fix, and they still went live live with uh, with the upgrade, but they had procedures in place, they knew how to handle those issues, and and it was uh, an informed decision, and and it was pretty successful. Or others that decided to just postpone because those issues had to be fixed before before they, they move they move forward. So. Your question mainly how we differentiate. I think we are looking at uh, we're looking at the the, the problems differently. I, I think, like you were saying, they 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 are the benchmark for for the I guess how to use Office, Microsoft Office, with with Citrix and and making sure that everything is working with certain response time and so on. Uh, we are from the, the on the other hand, we we look at the whole. Business process and we're looking at and even the response time that we look at it's from the end-user standpoint It's not of the application installed on Citrix already. So it is through Citrix uh, It goes through the whole process the same way the end user your end users would so That's that's uh, I, I think That's that's the main the main difference specifically with, uh, with login VSI.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think that's super fair. I mean, when you think about, uh, you know, you really hit it perfectly when you said, you know, you look at the problems differently, right? I mean, they're looking at it from, from a load testing uh, response time perspective, number of users on a server, and then regression testing in the sense of, and I know they have different products for, they do some availability stuff as well, and, and you can do custom, some custom workflows, but I think... Where you guys as you had mentioned really it's about you know being really focused on end user and custom workflows i'd say is that's probably fair to say uh right is where your i guess key focus is is being able to create those custom workflows easily right not yeah, then, using uh, you know AutoIt and scripting languages and things like that right the same way of course they can do it but it,
2: that's not really their their core business us too we can do what they do but that's not what it was really designed for i mean of course we can we can test any office application and we can we can install we can also install our agents on Citrix, even though we don't recommend it. But but we can, and and look at at the client directly at Office, for instance, inside Citrix, if if that's what uh, if that's what the client wants, because it doesn't really matter. It's either we look at at the application through Citrix or inside Citrix as well. That can be that can be done.
0: So let's uh, talk about futures. You know, since we talked about the the architecture of the product, the use cases, the difference between the the tools and the tool set, you know, your difference from other products in the industry. Um, So, you know, what areas of testing technology do you see being added into your tool set, Um, especially, you know, for things around accuracy and efficiency? And where do you see yourself going in the next two to three years at Automate?
2: Very good question, <laughs> and uh, so the the focus, and that's also the what is reflected in the name change, uh, is artificial intelligence. Uh, so we want to move more toward machine learning, artificial intelligence, computer vision, and what what that is. It it's it would we want to simplify. As much as possible, the scripting because, of course, creating custom uh, custom processes, custom automations, it, we we think that's very easy and we know it is easy. Because we've been doing it for for a very long time but there's always room for improvements and we can we can add more and more we're working with Google now on their uh, with their AI engine to see what we can do obviously there are a lot of our customers that uh, that don't want any connection with the clouds whether they're in banking or or uh, Healthcare, they say that the software does not should not communicate with the outside world whatsoever so in that case we would have our own engine but we we are looking at all different ways of uh, of adding a lot of intelligence to to our products and and we are even though in our we don't we don't foresee it any time soon and that's not in in our plans to to uh Uh, to recognize objects like uh, windows objects and buttons and stuff what we want to do is to recognize them visually to have our robots know that this is a button therefore when I click on the button I expect something to happen and it's so now it does it and it. Ju- you just have to tell it, yes, this is a button that you need to, when you click on it, sometimes actually when you run a, a performance test, if the application is slow, you click somewhere, nothing happens as a user, you just click again and, and then th- you go to the next page. If it happens, maybe 0.5% of the time, it's acceptable, it's not a big deal, but we, the, in the script, we have to give properties and tell it, yeah, this is a button. If, when you click on it, when, if it doesn't disappear, do it again. We do it today, but with AI it can automatically configure that for you You don't have to go and and do it yourself, and also we want to to integrate more with existing products we think we are we do very well with the robotic side of it we are in talks with uh, with other companies the big big uh, uh, software vendors especially. In the RPM and, and things like that, where we can integrate and feed them, we are actually partners with Splunk, for instance. Uh, that works very well. We feed our results so even with the failure screenshots, and in their dashboards, you can see the the response time and integrated with with other tools and see what uh, what's happening there. So that, those are the main areas. More intelligence more integration and, and, and actually reaching out to the community so that they know about us, get more feedback from them, understand, because up to now we were dealing a lot with our customers and they're very helpful. We have a very... Good uh, feedback process with our customers, and that's that's how what drives the the product and the, and the roadmap. But we would like to reach out to to Citrix community to to get feedback from them as well, and and uh, and and incorporate more things about about uh, EUC in our you know from from their feedback.
0: So uh, you mentioned a neat thing there. So I like how you guys are going with you know AI and in machine learning that type of stuff and plug into the, the cloud to help with that, and maybe even get to the point where you can kind of just install some kind of agent and say like a, a Citrix session, have the user go through the workflow, and that automatically spits out to to help do ongoing um, testing because we all know that users can be random. Yes, we, we can build scenarios, but at the same time, those same scenarios may not represent the full user's use case because they're just, like I said, random. Um, Another, another thing there I want to add on, ask about too, before you step in here, is that uh, you, you mentioned Splunk, which, which I thought was pretty interesting, as you, you can feed into Splunk. Do you have any other technology partners that you also work with or integrate with?
2: Uh, we are, so th- we have Splunk today. We are, uh, we just started actually the, the, um, our process with the AppDynamics. We are talking to Dana Trace. And we are also in the process to to see what we can do with the Goliath technologies to see how our products can talk to each other and 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 better the the solution. So those are the the main one, and I might be forgetting some of them because over the years, we I mean we are partners with uh, Microsoft, Citrix, uh, IBM. We've done we've done a lot of work with them in the past, but these are the main ones today that that uh, that we are. Already actively working with them, or in the process of uh, of integrating with them.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned uh, the, So that's that's good feedback around the uh, around the integrations. Um, you know, I, I, and just to comment on that for a second before I jump into the next thing, uh, I, I just was. Kind of brought me back to when when we were doing some of our testing and you know i was working uh, at, at this particular customer they had a few different monitoring solutions in place and we used kind of your load testing solution right basically to do all the testing but we used in this case we had control up there uh, the customer had already owned control up so we had that there to look at kind of real-time metrics and stre- across the holistic stack uh, of the solutions we can see what was being stressed and what wasn't so definitely makes sense to uh, for for those partnerships across, um, yeah, and and also, uh, you know, technologies like you had mentioned Splunk. So you know, technologies like like Uber Agent, um, I know jarian talked about that in the past. Uh, makes a lot of sense there too. So, um, what something I, yeah, I want to talk about for a second that uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, as you're talking about kind of your futures and and really focusing on customers, but also looking to kind of dive deeper in into the community and understand uh from from uh, community uh you know experts that are out there that are working across the different fields and industries uh, what their experiences are um uh do you have a, and do you guys have anything like a like a, a community license you know a lot of other uh you know software vendors out there kind of build uh you know community licenses for the various different uh you know kind of a community award program folks and things like that to to get a feel for the product and be, give them an opportunity to provide feedback and things like that. Uh, and used used in their lab is that something that you guys have today?
2: Absolutely, yes, yes, we do actually have community licenses for Citrix experts, uh, CTA and CTPs, and uh, VMware the V experts, and and also EUCs and and uh, Microsoft uh, uh, Microsoft uh, uh, experts. MVP, well. yep yes MVP. Awesome. Dad. thank you thank you <laughs> so <laughs> definitely what what we want is to offer our products to them to use them in their labs to tell us what they think so that they are well informed so that they can talk to their to their customers or or their their employers to. so if they are proposing any solutions they they know what's out there and what's good and what's not so good about them and, and again we like to know What's not so good about our products more than what's so what's good. So to 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 make them better and there's nothing More valuable than than the experts out there to tell us what? Uh, how we can our make our products better. So yeah, anybody they can just I think we have uh, a Form I can maybe uh, I don't have the, the URL. I'm sorry uh, anybody just uh, support at automate.com com request a community license and uh, for what product or, or for all of them, it doesn't really matter. Just tell us what you need, and uh, we'll send it to you. Otherwise, I, I, if I can add later the the link, we can. I, I mean, just support will, will be processed right away.
0: Yeah, so. what I can what I can do, Sam, is uh, when we publish this, there'll be a blog post, and on that blog post, I'll get the info from you, and Perfect. that will go on okay. there as well. So, like every every episode that we do, there's a corresponding blog post that links to the audio, and we can put some things in there, like a summary, and plus the linked his information so excellent good well I, I think that that's it um for for today um anything else uh you want to add sam before we close things down well uh yes
2: yeah, so actually one one quick thing we're, we're talking about the application uh, application monitoring process monitoring and so on one of the things that we do that is also different from other products because it is uh, um, robot base and it is continuously monitoring making sure that the application is available you can even if there's no end users accessing the application the robots are making sure unless you tell them not to because you can configure the the window of a monitoring window it becomes very useful sometimes to know about issues before they impact the end user, before the end user even start their day. Uh, the robot already reporting and sending alerts saying that the application is slow this morning or something is, is, not, is not right here or whatever. And, and because of also, there are the same scripts that are running over time, it becomes really easy to do trend analysis because it's not like you're monitoring every user all the users and and it it becomes really hard to know what's going on and our customers are telling us that it's extremely useful for them even even if they're not monitoring every user because if if somebody's calling the desktop the the help desk and they're saying the application is slow and the robot that's monitoring that region is not reporting any issues you can right away say well it seems like that area is fine Let's see if there's something wrong with your desktop. Let's see if you have a lot of uh, Chrome web web browser open or something like that, or if the robot in that area is reporting something something is wrong, but the data center is fine. You know that maybe something is wrong with with the connection to that to that uh, subnet or, or something like that. So, there are a lot of things that that you can even if we don't monitor the I mean, today we do monitor backend monitoring but we're going to we're going to stop it very soon in the future that's why we want to to partner with with the the leaders in that market because as, an, as a company that was doing this for a long time and with uh, it, when we started the monitoring or even performance monitoring of the testing as well we added the basic system metrics in there like collecting cpu memory and, and network but we we that's not our market. I think other companies do it better than us, and it's just good for us to to partner with them and and focus on what makes us different and where we're adding value.
0: I think that, that that's good. Um, I think it helps you guys kind of you know like I said focus on what you do best and then integrate yeah. with uh, the additional features and functionality you need. So I, I think that's good. Well, th- uh, thank you for uh, coming on today, Sam. Um, I do like. Uh, like what I heard today, I was like listening more than I was, you know, what you were saying and then following what, some of the questions we had ready. Um, so thank you again for coming on. I know you're busy, so taking the time out and coming on with us. Uh, Shane, before I close down, do you want to add anything?
1: Yeah, no, I just want to say uh, thanks for having me uh, on, the, on the show as a, as a guest host. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was exciting to, to, to talk to you and as, uh, as well as Sam, kind of hear more about, uh, about Automate. You know what they have to offer how they differentiate themselves and i thought that was pretty cool and give, give a chance for them to kind of get their get their uh name out to folks in the community and and just want to say you know i hope uh hope everyone is out there uh, staying safe your families are safe and and just uh continue to uh to social distance and hopefully we'll uh get back to uh get back to work uh soon when things are safe Yes,
2: same here. It's a lot of fun and I would like to do it again sometime if you have me and maybe next time we'll talk, we'll focus on specific use cases and, uh, and give some, give some use, uh, useful information, other useful information to our, to your listeners. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And yes, I'll just, uh, say what Shane said. Uh, hopefully soon we can, we can go out again and, uh, and and see our our families and stuff because we do miss them <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah and and the conferences and come seeing you guys and it was really fun to be in in Miami and
1: it's true you know it's yeah. funny because you don't I guess you don't really realize how much you miss we're so used to like the last you know like like fifteen years going to IT conferences you know and then it's like yes. yeah man, there's nothing that everyone just kind of just, you know, went, went, uh, went remote or or switching up to kind of virtual and you lose that kind of uh, that connectivity and that, that, that networking, social hour, beer time, hangout, jokes, drinks, you know, (laughs) good food. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I miss all that. So no, totally looking forward to to that again and, uh, and, and seeing you soon, man. Thanks. Thanks again for, for coming on. Truly appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. Thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, well said. I I agree with both of you. You know, here at Frontline Chatter, we we hope everyone is healthy and their families are remaining safe. And hopefully soon we can all see each other again at an event or a a conference. And uh, Sam, definitely look forward to having you on again. Um, Thank you, Shane, for being our special guest co-host today. Um, And thank you for listening to our Frontline Chatter podcasters. We'll, We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.